This is the word of God, 2 Corinthians 11, 1 through 15. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be laid astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to proclaim another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with the readily enough. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preached God's gospel to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. And what I am doing, I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Yeah, I first want to thank everybody for praying for my son Tom. A lot of you have followed you know, my Friday emails or my Facebook posts been a rough three weeks with him, uh, his, his issues that he's had, and turned very serious last week when he had to have some major surgery, and, uh, you know, ended up with 36 staples, and really had to do a lot of work in there, and really tough to see your kids suffer like that for, for the past week. Uh, Thursday, you know, really bad, and, and the pain he was dealing with, and, but he had a complete turnaround Thursday evening. He got to come home Friday evening. He's up and around, and he's going to get married next Saturday. So thanks for helping him with your prayers. made a big difference. We're going to be empty nesters. It's going to be her problem from now on, so we're looking forward to that. You know, and during the week, I saw him take a lot of drugs. <laughs> Some, and, but I also saw a headline this week. Did, did you see how the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, put out this public safety alert saying that uh, there are all these counterfeit drugs being sold on the streets that um, are, are being passed off as, you know, opioids that are helpful like uh, Percocet and Adderall and Oxycodone and all, but they've been laced with uh, deadly drug fentanyl. And yeah, we're not talking about prescription medications here. We're just talking about uh, these these black market drugs that have led in part to this unprecedented crisis of overdose in America. Counterfeits can kill you. And it made me think of what Paul is dealing with here that uh, we're going to be talking about the counterfeits of Christianity and the cults 
and how they pass themselves off as the real deal, but actually they are spiritually deadly. If this is your first time here with us or your first time back after a long time, first time joining us online, really glad that you're here. Uh, I don't know what you're dealing with, what your struggle is. You may not believe a whole lot or you may have a whole lot of questions about Jesus and the Bible or even the existence of God. And we want you to know we built this place for you and we're glad you're here and we hope you'll keep checking things out. But let me bring you up to speed on where we are in 2 Corinthians. Chapter 10 last week we were seeing how this whole letter has taken a very dramatic shift in tone toward the salty, that Paul is really kind of upset and frustrated and he gets sarcastic and mocking about the ridiculousness that he's having to deal with in this church in the city of Corinth that he started there on the Grecian Peninsula in Europe. And these people there are, there's some sort of false teachers that have crept into the church and they're undermining his authority. They're questioning his credibility. They're trying to get people not to listen to Paul and to listen to them instead. These false teachers are exerting so much influence. They are, they are pushing people so far away from the true Word of God that Paul has to do some serious pushing back here and get, get you know, down in the dirt with them a little bit and throw it back at them and, and put them in their place because of their destructive influence. And if you missed any of those messages, you can watch them on the website or listen to the podcast. But here in chapter 11, he's got to continue ridiculing their ridiculousness, satirically claiming now, oh, well, yeah, it's me. It's me. The problem's me. I'm the foolish one. So I hope you put up with my foolishness just a little bit longer because, you know, you put up with these other guys, so I guess you could put up with me too. But then he gets sadly serious and says, look, the reason why I'm doing this and I'm, I'm fussing with you and I'm fighting back against this is because I care about you. I don't want you heading down this path toward destruction. I've got a godly jealousy for you people. You say, well, I thought jealousy was a bad thing. Well, typically we think it is, right? Um, because we, we tend to get, you know, overly sensitive about things or we get selfishly ambitious and resentful about other people's stuff and, and their success. Same way with anger. Anger can be dangerously destructive if we're not able to control it and get angry about the right things. But there is a good anger, right? There's a righteous anger when we get angry about the same kinds of things that God gets angry about. So there, there can be a bad jealousy, but there's a good jealousy. Like if your husband is flirting with another woman, you should be jealous because that's your husband. Or if some other man steals your wife's heart away, absolutely you should be jealous for her. If you weren't, you didn't love her. God calls himself, what? A jealous God. Because he entered into this covenant of faithfulness with the nation of Israel. He chose them. And he, he kind of treated them like this is a marriage of faithfulness. And you, you Israelites, you Jews are going off and you're, you're going after these other gods, these other lovers. You, you're betraying me. And I'm jealous for you like that. And Paul says, Hey, I'm jealous for you Corinthians. I led so many of you to the Lord. I started your church. And, and there shouldn't be this turning away to false teachers. So this is a, a righteous jealousy that expects faithfulness. Paul compares later, you know, in Ephesians, he talks about the church is the bride of Christ, right? He, he, Christ is our groom, and there's this covenant of faithfulness. And we're supposed to be this pure virgin bride that is promised to this one groom, but we end up 
chasing after other lovers. We get lied to and seduced and all this deceit and made all these promises. And Paul's like, how can you go after these false teachers, these, these other suitors? How dare you betray the Lord like this? And really, you're betraying me too. And like I said, my son's getting married this Saturday. And not only am I the father of the groom, but I, I get to perform the wedding, which is a great honor, which is why I got to stay really healthy this week, guys, okay? <laughs> so no hugging, sorry, but I, I, there's no plan B for this. So Paul is saying, look, I'm like the father of the bride. The church is the bride of Christ. I'm supposed to make sure that you reserve yourself for your groom. But here you are, you're running off, you're a runaway bride, going after these seductive adulterers, these false teachers making these false promises to you to lure you away from Christ. That's my one job, is to keep you faithful and pure in your devotion to the Lord until He returns. Stay faithful to the groom until He comes back. Nothing new. It's just like in the Garden of Eden. He points out how Eve was seduced, lied to, by the serpent who promised her all kinds of things. You see, the devil's tactics there with Eve was first he questioned God. Did God really say, if you eat from the fruit, you won't die? And then he went to the next level, and he began to contradict God. Ah, surely God didn't say you'll die. And then he went to a new level and completely undermined what God said, told her just the opposite. Oh, no, actually, you know, if you eat from that fruit, you're going to become like God. Completely flipped and reversed what God had said. So that smooth silver-tongued devil was really speaking with a forked tongue like a serpent because he was pretty crafty at lying to her and the same tactic he uses on us today. First, he'll get you to question God's word, then he'll contradict it, and then he'll completely reverse it to get it to say the exact opposite. If you ever go online, you might notice a great satirical website from a Christian perspective called the Babylon Bee. Have you ever seen this? They're great at skewering current events and politics and um, news stories and even the church. They, they just take them to task for all the ridiculous things that are going on. And, and so recently they went after Snopes a little bit. You know Snopes is that fact-checking website everybody goes to to find out if what they heard was true. Is it a myth? Is it a rumor? Is it fake news? And Snopes will tell you. But the problem with Snopes is they often are slanted themselves. You know, they, they, they will fudge the truth a lot uh, to, to make it say what they want to say. So the Babylon Bee posted that Satan himself got fact-checked by Snopes and found out that while the devil has clearly made some factually inaccurate statements over the years, they observed that he tended to mix a lot of truth in with a little bit of a lie, thus earning the mostly true label. You know, they say, it was mostly true. And that's, that's how the devil works. What he says is mostly true. But there's a lot of lie to it, too. And that's what you see in... in Sometimes in what's called Christianity. Another Babylon Bee headline read, Progressive Christian offers new, more open, less judgmental Christianity. Oh no, wait, it's just Satan again. That's what's going on. Is it makes it sound like, oh, there's this new way of looking at Scripture, new interpretation, new revelation. No, no, it's just Satan lying again. So stay true to the Lord. Follow 
his word. Don't let them reinterpret it to make it more palatable to today's culture because that's just the same old forbidden fruit. Don't bite what they're offering. And that's why in this culture we're seeing it unravel faster than ever before where true is false and wrong is right and vice is virtue. And the world is going to do that. I mean, it's nothing new. We've seen the world believe and promote those kinds of lies for a long time. But it's, it's unnerving to see it happening in the church more and more. Again, apostasy is nothing new. It's been around since the beginning of the church where people will embrace uh, false doctrine and it becomes a counterfeit Christianity. And it's counterfeit because they still like to call themselves Christian. They use all the Christian terms and symbols and traditions and all that. But it's just a sham. For decades, we've been seeing this battle go on between those who continue to cling to the truthfulness, reliability of God's Word, and those who continue to remain in the church but do everything they can to undermine what God said, to change the orthodox beliefs. And you might call them liberals or modernists or progressives, but they have a theology that, that evolves to fit the, the, the era or the mood. Um, that they, they adapt God's Word to make it fit better with today's thinking. And they might wear titles like reverend or bishop or professor, but they are not biblical Christians, all right? Because uh, what they're doing is in the name of we're, we're rethinking Christianity. We're reimagining it. They have this revisionist Jesus, which actually rejects everything about Jesus that's important, his virgin birth, his deity, his miracles, his resurrection, the gospel plan of salvation, which ends up also reversing biblical morality back into pagan religiosity and secular spirituality. Just like the devil. Question it, contradict it, and then reverse it. And that's why Paul gets on the defensive here and he has to resort to lampooning the ridiculousness. Why? Because we've got to keep the church on track in, in sound teaching. We've got to take it back from these false teachers. So he wants to expose their counterfeit Christianity that's being passed off as the real deal because it will, it will be deadly. It will destroy the church. These guys are preaching a different Jesus. They're not teaching the same Jesus that we Apostles, inspired spokesmen, first-hand eyewitnesses, commissioned by Christ to represent him, verified by miracles, they're teaching a different Jesus than the one that we find in Scripture today. And it's still going on. They make up their own Jesus, and that's one of the marks of a cult. It's cults. We think of, oh, these are the weird people who get all brainwashed and wear weird clothing and uh, beg for money. No, cults have been around from the very beginning of the church. They twist what God says into something false. The Corinthians were putting up with that kind of ridiculousness. They were tolerating false doctrine in their church. And what happens when you tolerate it, you become open to it like, well, maybe this is actually a really good idea. This is a good alternative to the traditional, historic way of looking at things. I mean, this is kind of a new, uh, better way of looking at Scripture. This is a new truth, a new revelation. And, and so this superior revelation, based on our, our enlightened understanding, leads us away from the true Jesus into a different Jesus. So that's why our big idea is remain receptive to biblical truth while rejecting counterfeits and cults. Here's what cults do is they masquerade as Christian. 
They'll use the name Christ and the name Christian, and they'll, they'll talk about the Bible all day long. They can be very nice and godly people, but they are not Christian. They are heretics. It's heretical teaching, not biblical. So how do you recognize a cult? Let me give you three marks. The first is cults use a different authority. They quote scripture. They'll use the Bible, but it's not their only or even primary authority. They always have some other authority uh, besides the Bible or above the Bible, whether it's another book or it's a human leader. I mean, they, they have some sort of new truth, some new interpretation of Scripture that only they have discovered. Right? They, they, they can give you the truth because the Scriptures, well, they've been changed and they've been corrupted, but we've discovered what they really say. And that kind of thinking was going on even back in the early church, an early form of cultism called Gnosticism. These Gnostics claimed to have this inner secret illumined enlightened knowledge that only the initiated understood we've got this different way of looking at scripture we've got this new truth and and the gnostics were were quite a problem in the early church now more recently in the 1800s mormonism was uh, conceived by a guy named joseph smith who wrote the book of mormon which is really nothing more than a fantastical work of fiction. It's false. He, he claimed that he found these gold plates in New York and, that were made up of some sort of strange ancient hieroglyphics, and only he, wearing the special glasses, could interpret them. And that's where Mormonism came from. In fact, they call the Book of Mormon another testament of Jesus Christ. See, Bible's not enough. We need another testament. And I've actually been reading the Book of Mormon and I tell you guys, it's rough. I mean, it's a slow go. It's, it's and you can tell, it's just a bunch of recycled Bible words and Bible stories. I mean, even the phrasing, over and over it says, and it came to pass, and it came to pass, and it came to pass, because it sounds biblical. It sounds right, right? So it's just a big deception. And they have other books too, The Pearl of Great Price, Doctrines and Covenants. They all contradict each other. It's a scam. Now, the Mormons will accept the Bible but only as it is correctly translated by them. And Joseph Smith added and changed words to the Bible. This guy was a false prophet who, among other things, prophesied Jesus would come back in 1890. So look, Mormons can be decent, moral, nice people, but they have been deceived themselves. And so they in turn deceive others. In fact, Mormons even have what they call the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. So beware of those false super apostles Paul is telling us about. Jehovah's Witnesses, they have what's called the Watchtower Society with their own writings and their own presidents. And they have numerous false prophecies and come up with their own translation of the Bible called the New World Translation that again changes and adds things to make it align with their heretical teachings. But we have the scriptures only. We do not add to it, take away from it, or change it. It is written by the Apostle Paul and the other apostles and prophets. And it is completely reliable and it is our only authority for faith and practice. So beware of anybody or any group that introduces some other teachings beyond what the Bible teaches, okay? Even as some new personal revelation. Oh, God has revealed to me some new truth. Folks, 
When somebody says they have a new truth that God spoke to me, God told me, that is a big red flag. Run for your life. Number two, cults promote a different Jesus. Again, they, he's some other Jesus who's not fully God or not fully human or some other combination. He's, he's something less than the fully divine Son of God, which is a huge problem because if he's not fully God and fully man, he cannot be a Savior. Even if he were a great guy, perfect man, and he died, he couldn't die for the sins of the world because you have to have one infinite life that is worth all the finite lives put together in all time. So he's no savior. In fact, the Apostle John says, who is the liar? It is the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. That is our most basic doctrinal statement in a nutshell. Jesus Christ. Jesus means savior, salvation. Christ means the anointed one, the Messiah. Jesus came as the Messiah sent to save us of our sins by giving his life on the cross and rising from the dead. And if we don't believe that, then we don't have a savior. I mean, when Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am, right? First he says, who, who's everybody else saying I am? And they're going, well, some say you're John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah. Who do you say I am? Peter replies, you are what? The Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus not only blesses them, but he says, Peter, that wasn't revealed to you by other people. That was revealed to you by my father in heaven. So that's the confession we typically make when we get baptized into Christ. I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And anybody who denies that is the Antichrist. Don't be looking for some larger-than-life guy who has 666 tattooed on his forehead with glowing red eyes. Anybody who denies Jesus is the Christ is the Antichrist. And there are many of them, including like Deepak Chopra, you know, that spiritual guru you see on TV. He teaches about Jesus all the time, but Jesus is the guy who enabled us to reach God consciousness, whatever that is. It's not the Jesus of the Bible. It's another Jesus. Or the Jesus of the Jehovah's Witnesses. He is not God, but he is Michael the Archangel who became a human and did not rise from the dead physically. Or the Jesus of the Mormons who was born a spirit child to a physical God, one of many gods, along with his wife through sexual union. He didn't have a... He's not eternal. This Jesus has a beginning, but he, he becomes a God just like all Mormon men can become gods. It's not the Jesus of Christian science. The Christian science church, based on the writings of Mary Baker Eddy, which ironically is neither <laughs> Christian or science. It's, it's, it's anti-Christ and anti-science. Or the Unification Church, otherwise known as the Moonies, based on their founder, Sun Myung Moon, who claimed to have a vision, a revelation of Jesus in 1936. In fact, Moon himself became Christ, and yeah, he's dead. So in other words, these are all false Christs. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised at that. Jesus warned us there are going to be false Christs. Because a false Christ cannot save, which is the third mark of a cult. Cults teach a different way of salvation. This is about what the death of Jesus means. And in cults, it doesn't mean redemption or atonement or full forgiveness. Jesus did something for us, but it wasn't enough. And so you have to add your own efforts and good works to what Jesus did. That's a different gospel. Scripture says salvation is by grace, not something we earn or deserve. It's a gift because Jesus died in our place on the cross and rose from the dead. And there's nothing we can do to add to that. Okay? We, can't, we can't earn it or, or deserve it through a mixture of law and grace, of, of obedience to uh, 
traditions and rituals and law. Paul says in Galatians 1, 8, in fact, everybody read this out loud together with me. Here we go. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be what? Accursed. Accursed. Now, some of the older translations keep it in the Greek. It says anathema. Anathema is, is, is a way of saying condemned forever, cut off from Christ. So this is serious business to be under anathema, a curse. That's why John writes, you know, he, he says, look, biblical salvation also includes the gift of the Holy Spirit because if you don't have the Holy Spirit filling you, you cannot live for Christ. You, you cannot be changed. Religion can't change you externally. You have to be changed internally. And so he says in 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, and they offer a different spirit as well. So here we are as Christians, in spite of all of our maybe disagreements and divisions, here's what all true Christians believe, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, who died on the cross as a substitute in our place and rose from the dead, and that we are all sinners who need to receive that gift of salvation by grace through faith, and that Jesus will one day return and complete our salvation and we'll enter heaven. That's what's crucial to believe, that orthodox teaching. And that's why Paul makes fun of those super apostles. <laughs> it's just a funny phrase. Like, he's like, I'm just a regular old apostle, but these guys, they're super apostles. Oh, they're so much better than me. They, they know so much more. Because look at me, I'm just this pathetic, uh, poor speaker. I'm very unimpressive, guys. But of course, tongue-in-cheek is like, you guys know better than that. Uh, I may not be as smooth a talker, but you know, I've got first-hand knowledge, and I've got divine revelation, and I've got uh, inspired authority. So you might want to listen to me. I think I know what I'm talking about. Now, I haven't been a big show-off like them. I haven't taken advantage of you like those guys. I haven't tried to manipulate you and make money off of you. No, I haven't done any of that. I'll admit it. Maybe I should have. Maybe then you would have listened to me. I mean, those guys are charging you for what they're dishing out to you. And you think it's a value if it costs you money. And here I am. I'm giving it away for free. And you must think it's not worth anything. What a crock that is. I mean, I did it for free because I didn't want you thinking I was some slick con man out to, to take from you. No, instead, I asked other churches to support my ministry to you. I, I had every right to be supported by you, but I didn't want to do that. I didn't ask you guys for a dime. Instead, the Christians down the road there in Macedonia, they chipped in and supported my ministry for you. A lot of good that did. Still didn't listen. But I'll keep on doing it because I love you and I don't want anything to be an obstacle in the way of the gospel. Nobody's going to be able to say, oh, don't listen to Paul. He's just trying to get rich off you guys. Nobody's going to rob me of my boast that I'm doing this for nothing. No, I'm just going to cut the ground out from under him right now and say nobody's going to stop me from, from doing what God's called me to do in spite of all this ridiculousness going on there. In fact, I wouldn't accept a dime from you people because I am so disappointed in the way you're listening to these clowns. Now again, this is my paraphrase, but that's the gist 
of what he's saying. He's like, remember last week the humble bragging? You know, some people like to brag about themselves. Humble bragging is where you, 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 you just sneak it in there. Sounds like you're being humble, but you're not. Paul has to be forced into that. He doesn't want to do it, but he has to say, okay, I'm going to boast. You're making me do this, but I'm not boasting about myself to make myself look good. I'm doing it for the Lord. I want to show you what the Lord is doing for me and in me and through me for your good. So yeah, I'll boast about that. It's just like, you know, anger and jealousy can be dangerously bad unless they're channeled righteously. Same way with boasting. Boasting is usually bad, but if you're channeling it righteously to give God the glory and the credit, then it can be a good thing. These other guys, these false teachers, they're posers, they're frauds, they're liars who just are trying to look good so that you'll follow them. But you know what? They're more imposters than apostles. They're apostles of Satan. They're masquerading as servants of righteousness. But that's what the devil does too. He masquerades as an angel of light. What do I mean? Well, I mean, from what we can tell in the Bible, Satan was once an angel himself, but uh, pridefully read a rebellion against God, and the other angels who followed him became demons. And in our cultural imagination, we think of demons be- having red skin and horns and dragon wings, and there'll be people that'll dress up like that for Halloween. Oh, I'm the devil. That is not what the devil looks like, all right? He is much more subtle and sneaky and crafty than that. He's not going to come to you in a very obvious way and say, join the church of Satan. What he does is he infiltrates the church of God and passes himself off as a Christian to feed you just enough lies to get you to fall for the counterfeit. And entire denominations have done that, and they've become abominations. So Paul assures them, hey, it doesn't matter how successful those guys are, how many followers they get, they're not going to get away with it. They're going to get what they deserve in the end. So remain receptive to biblical truth while rejecting counterfeits and cults. Thank the Lord we don't have to get what we deserve, that we can have forgiveness instead. Good thing we're not getting what we deserve. Now, when I was a kid in Sunday school back in the day, and some of you might remember singing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And I just accepted that in childlike faith. Well, the Bible said it must be true. But as I grew and I began to learn more and study for myself, guess what? I became even more convinced that it's true. The Bible just rings true. It has, it has shown itself to be reliable and trustworthy, that it will guide you into truth. It is not going to steer you wrong. You can believe the Bible. Check it out for yourself. It tells us of a God who loves us in spite of our disbelief and our disobedience, who sent his son to save us so that we could be forgiven and be with him forever. And that's really the message of the whole Bible. If you sum up, what is the Bible about? It's about this God who made us for fellowship with him forever, but we forfeited it through our sin, but he didn't give up on us, but sent us Jesus. And you may think, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if God really loves me anymore. I, I, I think I've made too much of a mess of my life. I've gone too far. And if that's where you're at, I want to say or sing that song to you. Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Jesus is true. Jesus is reliable. He is trustworthy. He will not steer you wrong. He will guide you into the truth. He will show you what's right. In fact, he will make you right with God. And if you would like to receive that gift today through faith, accept that gift of grace, you just reach out and accept it 
put your trust in him, repent of your sin, be baptized into Christ today, text your name to that number you see on the screen or email us, or if you're here on site, I'm going to have some friends up here at the front after the service is over. Come up and talk to them. Ask them questions, have them pray for you, but most of all, they can have you confess your faith and say, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of the living God, and they'll baptize you right here on the spot today because we got warm water and clothes and robes and towels, everything you need to begin that new life for Jesus today. So let's pray about that. Father, <clears throat> I want to pray for those who need to make the best decision of their life and, and begin to follow Jesus into what's right and true and good. Uh, God, help us to discern what's true from what's false, what's right from what's wrong, God. Help us to, to stay true to your word, to, our, to our, our groom, God. Help us to stay faithful to Jesus all our days. And God, give us strong convictions to stand up for the truth, not to be lured in, not to be deceived, not to fall for the lies. We pray that these cults and these, these counterfeit forms of Christianity will be turned around that they'll come to know the truth. You'll shine the light of the gospel into their lives and they'll be saved, God. And help us to have a backbone to stand up for what's right and true. Even if everybody around us believes a lie, you are true. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand together. We'll make this song our response. And if you'd like to come down to the front to meet with somebody, do it right now.